Go to Galatians, please, third chapter this evening, Galatians 3. We've been on this subject for uh, a few weeks now about being redeemed from the curse of the law. You about had all of that you want to hear? Or? <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> that is some good eating, right, <laughs> is the truth about that. Galatians 3 and 6 says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's important to know that everything that happened with Abraham has nothing to do with the law. There were no Ten Commandments. There were no statutes. There were no, you know, ordinances of the temple sacrifice or tabernacle. None of that existed yet. And he was counted righteous, not because of the works that he did, but because he had faith. Does that sound familiar? It was a type of the new birth and the new covenant. Which is why it goes on to say, verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, that's us, the same are the children of Abraham. We're told to walk in the same steps of our father Abraham. Verse 8, The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations... Be blessed. Now, Galatians, the emphasis in this little book, six chapters, is, among other things, the gospel. The previous two chapters, he talked about how the gospel he preached was the one and only authentic gospel, and how he got it that he didn't get it from somewhere else, he didn't learn it from somebody else, he got it straight from the Lord, straight from God. And he keeps talking about the gospel and about faith and about walking in the Spirit and faith. Notice how many times the word gospel or faith or believing is in these six little chapters. And so he's still talking about this right here in the middle of the book in chapter 3. Have you heard gospel and the word faith already? Yeah, you have. Gospel. Now, when we hear gospel, what do most church-going people tend to think? When you hear gospel, what do most people tend to think? I'm not talking about the definition of the word. Most people, when they hear gospel, they think of Jesus going to the cross. And that is true, but it's a very narrow concept of gospel. Because what did Abraham hear? (laughs) And it's called the gospel. Now he did get revelation about Jesus going to the cross. It wouldn't have been, you know, like we see it, but... He was willing to offer up his only son to God, his covenant friend. Can you see this? 
And then, of course, God is willing to offer up his only son for Abraham's seed. Because all who will believe all over this world, they then become Abraham's seed through faith in Jesus. But what did he hear? If you'd have asked Abram before he died, you know, God told us that you heard the gospel. What is the gospel? He'd probably take us back to Genesis 12 where the Lord told him that he was going to bless him and make him a blessing and in him, well we just got through reading it, will all nations be blessed. What do you keep hearing? Blessed. 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 Well is that good news? Oh yeah. Mrs. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not the real, it is the gospel. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Is so you could get free, we're about to see it in just a minute, from being cursed. And you could be blessed, even though you didn't deserve it. Hadn't earned it. We haven't equated gospel enough with blessing. See, people mock and make fun of people like us. And call us that prosperity gospel. Y'all are too quiet. Yeah. Why? Because we say, God wants you. <laughs> well, there's all kind of people. They just hear that one phrase and they go, oh no. That's that prosperity gospel. <laughs> and there's a reason why people are so animated about this and against this. The enemy works overtime to keep people blind to it, to keep people from seeing it. Because when people see how good God really is, they'll come to him by the millions. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repent and change. So when we hear gospel, what should we think? Blessing. You should not separate gospel from blessing. Now you do know millions of people don't agree with that. They would think that's heresy. But are we reading the New Testament? Are we reading Galatians? So what did Abraham hear? That's called in the New Testament is called the gospel. We know what he heard. In you. It said, verse 8, look at it again. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached or proclaimed before the gospel to Abraham. And here's part of the good news Abraham heard. In you. That's right out of Genesis 12, 3. In you shall all nations be, 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 people would say saved. Well, I guess he could have said saved if he wanted to say saved. <laughs> People would say, oh, no, no, the gospel is saved. Well, the Bible said the gospel is blessed. It's both. You don't have to pick and choose. I've had people say, well, the most important message of all is that Jesus saves. He saves from hell. That's the most important message of all, all the time. I know one guy tried to get in my face about that one time. I said, uh, I disagree. 
He looked like, I knew it, I knew it. Heretic, heretic. I said, if you are saved, you have been born again. But you're so sick, you can't function in life. The most important message to you is not Jesus saves. You're already saved. Are you with me or not? What's the good news to you? He took your infirmities. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. By his stripes, you're healed. That's good news to a sick man. Right? If you've already been saved for 30 years, but you can't pay your electric bill, you ain't got money for groceries, you've been saying, well, the most important message, Jesus saves. You're already saved. <laughs> Now, if you lost, no question about it. The most important message in the world to you is that you can be born again. And you must be born again. But do you see what I'm talking about? Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. What's the gospel to the poor? A lot of folks say Jesus saves. No, that's the gospel to the lost. Gospel means good news. What's good news to the poor? Help me out. You don't have to live broke. God will help you. He'll take care of you if you learn to do what he tells you to do. Amen. The gospel, in, a, in you shall all nations be blessed. So then, verse 9, they which be of faith, is that us? Is that us? We're what? Blessed. blessed. Does the Lord want us to know about the blessing? He must. This is New Testament. They which be of faith are blessed with Abraham, faithful Abraham. Was Abraham blessed? How did that affect his life? In many ways. Many ways. Keep reading. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just, or justified ones, those made righteous, shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Living by keeping the Ten Commandments and the statutes and ordinances is not living by faith. Are you all with me? It's living by a code of what's right versus what's wrong. And everything God ever said is right, it's right. It always will be right. But man failed to be justified by righteous conduct alone. Everybody messed up and fell short and came short, except one. Hallelujah. And he, through his sacrifice, made it available that we could be justified another way. Rather than just keeping all of the law, we could be made right in God's eyes by faith in Jesus. It's wonderful. Now, when we say, we just got through reading here about the blessing and about the curse. Do you know millions on this planet don't even believe these two things exist? I mean millions, 
scores of millions in our country, the U.S., if you start talking to them about a curse, they will look at you like you poor ignorant thing. Huh? There's no such thing as curses, as a curse. Well, if you don't believe in that, then you're probably not going to believe in the blessing either. Right? The blessing. Well, if you don't believe in the blessing or the curse, that indicates you don't believe in God. No matter what you say. Because if you don't believe in that, you probably don't believe in true good or true evil or a God or a devil. And there are millions who do not. They absolutely, they think they are now educated and they have been free from such primitive, archaic, you know, emotional crutches. <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that there is a God and there is a devil. There is good. There is evil. There is blessing. And there is curse. And the curse is really bad. <laughs> but the blessing is wonderfully good. <laughs> and if you're smart, you'll find out what you need to and do what you need to to stay out of the curse. Is that right? And get full in to the blessing. Can anybody say amen? All right, we better keep reading in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from what? Then it must not have been some superstitious, non-existent thing. He redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. He did it by taking our place, taking the curse that we would have taken. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now here's something we, we, we should get really strong about. The Bible said, in fact, put that on the screen for us. What is it? Psalm 107, 22? No, 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 I said it wrong. Psalm 107, 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, so is added by the translators. You might, you might say it like this, say it. Say it. Everybody say, say it. Say what? Well, what would the redeemed of the Lord say so? Say what? What would they say? I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Right? I'm redeemed from what? Well, if you don't believe there is a devil or a curse, even though there are many bad things in the world, we're not denying that there's bad stuff going on or that we've experienced some bad stuff in our life. What we need to get fully persuaded about is that it doesn't have a right to work in our lives. Come on, can you see this? It doesn't have a right. And we need to, what did the Bible tell us to do with the devil and his works? We need to stand up and resist it. And this is where one of the biggest problems has been is that people that don't even believe in God, don't even believe in good and evil, don't even believe in Jesus or blessing or curse. So when the curse comes, they're not resisting anything. And even people go to church and their preachers tell them that God sent this curse 
into their life to help develop their spirituality and teach them some things. And really, even though we know it's an awful, awful, terrible thing, it's actually a blessing in disguise. That is the devil lying to people. A curse is never a blessing in disguise or otherwise. Never. And a blessing is never a curse. Never. Never. So if it's a curse, you can see from the word it's a curse. What do you know? There's no way God wants that in your life. No way, no circumstances, no situation where it's his will for you to have that in your life. So if something that is the curse shows up in your life, what should you do? You should immediately stand up on the inside and start resisting it and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Let's just, let's just go to this. I don't even have to ask, have you ever missed it? Or have you ever missed it since you were born again, washed by the blood of the Lamb? But a failure or a mistake or a sin in your life, does that prove that it's God's perfect will for sin to be in your life? Well, then the existence of sickness doesn't prove it's God's will for sickness to be in your life. The existence of poverty doesn't prove it's God's will. No. We're not denying that these things are around and are going on. There's a lot of bad stuff. What we should get fully persuaded is that Jesus took the curse. Did he or not? He took the curse, became a curse in my place. What does that mean? Then that means the curse has no right. Oh, come on, somebody said, uh, the curse has no right in my life, no place in my life. You resist it with everything you have and know. You never accept that a curse in your life is somehow the mysterious will of God. You never accept that it has to be that way. If it's a curse, there is no way. It's God's will for you to have that. Jesus. Come on, read it, read it. What did he do? Verse 13. Christ, the anointed one, redeemed. The word redeem is like somebody who paid, the, who bought a slave and set them free. He redeemed me. He bought, he paid the price so I could be free from the curse of the law. He did it by taking my place and the curse fell on him instead of me and you. Because it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That's why he died the way he did. Instead of by a sword or a spear or stoning. You know, they tried to stone him several times. You remember that? Or they tried to throw him off a cliff one time. God wasn't going to allow that. He just slipped through the crowd. But how were they able to do that? How were they able to nail him to the cross? Which, what, what's a cross? It's wood beams. What's wood beams? Tree. It's a tree. 
How could they do that? Because he allowed it. You remember when they came and said, you know, he said, who are you looking for? And then they said, Jesus. He said, I am. They all fell on the ground. He had to wait for them to get up. Come on. Is that right? He had to wait for them to get up and recover. He let them do this. Why? To us, in one way, the cross is a beautiful thing because of what happened there. But really, the cross is a place where a lot of ugliness happened. It'd be like the gas chamber today or the electric chair. The worst of the worst criminals were put to death and sentenced to die like that. Jesus, being the glorious Son of God who never sinned or failed, there's absolutely no reason why he should have been there. In fact, the religious leaders, to them, it was confirmation that he was a bad, evil person misleading the people because in their mind, there's no way God had ever let that happen to a good, righteous person. The fact that he was hanging on the cross with these other two condemned criminals, to them, proved he must be a very bad man. But it wasn't so. And... It was a plan that hell didn't understand. <laughs> it was the wisdom of God. And of course, you know, the devil, he prides himself on being a genius. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. And when the Lord allowed them to kill him, and when he died, see, nobody expected that. Not his disciples. No, that's why they fell apart. That's why they ran. Nobody expected him to let them kill him. And when they saw him breathe his last and say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and they knew he was dead. Hell thought they had pulled off (laughs) the victory of all time. They thought we did it. I don't think they really believed they could get away with it. But they thought, we did it. We did it. We killed the Son of God. Hell must have been celebrating all those three days and nights. Until. (laughs) Until. The Father. I don't know for sure. I think the Father stood up. And that's something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that for sure. But he spoke. I know this. He spoke. And he said, you are my son. This day I have begotten you. And Jesus was the first one to ever be born again. In the heart and core of the earth, that place shook how many believe when God spoke those words? I mean, when you, I mean, you think the shackles fell off in that jail cell when the earthquake, ah, uh, that was a type of what happened down there. And when Jesus arose, the Bible said in Revelation he, that he said, now, I've got the keys of death and of hell. Hallelujah. The devil ain't what he used to be. 
He played right into the hands of God. He, he didn't know. I mean, the scripture says, if they had known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know that was going to happen. But I'm saying all that to say this. Why did he go? Why is he there? Why did he let them nail him to the tree? Verse 13. What was he doing? He redeemed us. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What does that mean, he redeemed us? Don't, don't get religious on this now. What does that mean? Redeem is like paying the ransom for somebody, a slave, that's sold into bondage. It's like paying for their freedom so that they can go free. A price had to be paid. And the only thing that could happen instead of us having to pay it ourselves, the Father allowed somebody else to pay the price for us. You should love him forever, saying. And he was willing to do it. Glory to God. The Bible said in Hebrews, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured it because he saw, hallelujah, for the joy that was to come. He saw you and I wouldn't have to endure the curse. He saw we wouldn't have to go the heart of the earth and be judged and be punished. He saw we could get what he wanted all of us to have anyway, the blessing that he gave to his covenant friend Abraham that made him rich, that gave him peace, that made him fruitful, that protected him, on and on and on. He wanted every one of us to have that full blessing and no curse. Do you believe the Bible, saints? Say it out loud, Christ, the anointed one. My Lord and Savior, my Redeemer, verse 13, has redeemed me from what? So you don't even know what the curse of the law is unless you go back and look. Curse of the law, being made a curse for me, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, verse 14, in order that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Have you received the Spirit? Through faith. Glory to God. Go with me to Deuteronomy 28, and let's shout some more about what we've been redeemed from, and let's recognize really well and clear what it looks like. So that when anything that resembles it shows up at our doorstep, we begin to to put our foot down. We begin to say, oh, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. I've been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say it. Let them speak up. Right? Let them declare. The curse has no right in my life. The curse has no place in my life. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. And even though I hadn't deserved the blessing, I still get the blessing. <laughs> right? Because the Lord qualified me. And by faith in Him, I get it anyway. Get it anyway. That's why they call it good news. Is this good news? This is good news. This is the best news anybody ever heard. Good news. 
In uh, Deuteronomy 28. Boy, y'all listen so good. That was my text. And uh, <laughs> so we'll see how, how we go. Deuteronomy 28. Did you find that? You'll find, you know, in what Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 are the two main places that you can find the curse of the law. Details about what it is. And uh, more detail in Deuteronomy 28. It's the more well known. But I noticed something interesting is that uh, there's 14 verses about the blessing and 54 verses about the curse. <laughs> Why would that be? Why not at least, you know, equal time? Why? Well, one of the big reasons is because the blessing makes it simple. And the curse makes it complicated. I mean, when you're experiencing the blessing, it's just all good. Right? That You're not dealing with the complications and the confusion of the curse, but he needed the 54 verses to give them an adequate description of how bad and how confusing and how complicated in an evil way it would be if you forsake your God and rebel against his word and go and serve other gods. But when, uh, when you're healthy and you're happy and all your bills are paid, it's not complicated. You're just blessed. That's right. <laughs> Can you see what we're talking about? <laughs> he said, it'll come to pass if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. How many think you should still listen closely to the voice? Oh, yeah. It's amazing how many people just want to ignore this and throw it all away. Listening closely to what the Lord says every day is still a very good idea. To observe and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. Now we're not talking about keeping the ten commandments or the statutes and ordinances. But the Bible in the same book of Galatians says you're not under the law if you're led by the Spirit. So it's not a matter of keeping the commandments and statutes. It is a matter of listening to the Spirit. Closely. Every day. The Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. All these blessings, whew, not blessing, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. You, you didn't just get nudged by the blessing. The blessing caught you and ran over you. But you were happy about it. It just left you in a better state. They will come on you and overtake you. Glory to God. If you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Keep going. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, fruit of your ground, fruit of your cattle, increase of your kind, flocks of your sheep. Now let's stop here. We've, we've looked at 
being, you know, the curse of sickness. We went into some detail about that. We've touched on some about the curse of poverty and a few other things. I want you to notice this. The blessing includes the fruit of your body. What's the fruit of your body? That's your kids. That's your children. Does the blessing include your children? It does. There is, you'll see in this passage and in others, a description of a blessed family. And in the curse, he goes into a terrible, dysfunctional, destroyed, separated family. Tell me the good news about that. If you can find it in the curse of the law, we, we talked about there's two big things you know, right? One, if it's in the curse, there's no way God wants that in your life. No way. What else? If it's in the curse of the law, according to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from that. If it's in the curse of the law. So we know the blessing includes your children. He's already touched on that. But skip down to verse 28 now. And let's look at the curse. He said included in the curse. The Lord will smite you with madness and blindness. And astonishment of heart. You'll grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. Stop right there. You shall not prosper in your ways. What is that? That's a curse. It's the curse, part of the curse of the law. Not prospering in your ways is what? Part of the curse of the law. So what do I know? There's no way God wants me to not prosper in my ways. And I bet Christ has redeemed me from that. If I'm redeemed from not prospering in my ways, they can mock and laugh all they want to about that prosperity bunch, but it must be God's will for me to prosper. Prosper's not about having a certain size account. It's about doing well. It's about succeeding. It's about having all your needs met and then some, abundance. Prospering is doing well. Well, what father doesn't want his children to do well? But in this curse of the law, you'll be only oppressed, spoiled evermore. No man will save you. Nobody will help you. Let's just stop right there. Nobody will help you. Nobody will help you. What's that? That's a curse. What about you? If you've been redeemed from nobody helping you, what does that mean? You'll have help. You'll have help. The reason I'm stopping and talking about this, there is so much in here that we haven't taken advantage of. Why? Because if you don't know this well, then if it tries to show up, you won't resist it. You just go, well, you know, I guess a lot of people don't have help, you know. I read, you know, a lot of people these days, they, people these days won't help each other, will they? Just don't, they don't help each other like they used to. And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you do that and you will be helpless That's right. and it'll get worse. 
But what if you did that? Not having any help. It's part of the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Therefore, I shall have plenty of help. (laughs) And then start actually making some faith confessions, calling those things that be not as though they were, saying, I have good help. Man, I have good help. I have good help. I have all the help I need. All the time, I have great help. I'm wonderfully helped. Now, if you're even smarter, you will sow some help. You will be good help. Give God something to bless and multiply. Verse 30. You'll betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. Now this, is, this has to do with family. Some people might call this unlucky in love. <laughs> but we don't believe in any of that. No. Why are we talking about this? Why, why do we care about this? People say, that's Old Testament, Brother Keith. I'm aware of that. But remember where we started off? In the New Testament. And what did it say? Christ, did he want us to know we'd been redeemed from the curse of the law? Must have been important. Failed relationships are part of the curse of the law. You'll betroth a wife, another man will lie with her. You'll build a house, but you won't get to live in it. Somebody say curse. That's a curse. You plant a vineyard and it'll produce grapes, but you won't get to enjoy them. You won't get any of them. That's a curse. Somebody say curse. That's a curse. Our believers that love the Lord, believe in the Lord, and, and follow His Spirit and walk with Him, are they supposed to work, 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 and the thing just fall apart and somebody come in, take it away from them, and they don't get. That ain't right. That's not, supposed to, that's not supposed to be happening. That's a curse. <laughs> Verse 31, your ox will be slain in front of your eyes and you won't get to eat any of it. Your donkey will be violently taken away right in front of you and it won't be restored. Your sheep will be given to your enemies and you'll have none to rescue you. No help. Somebody say curse, 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 curse. Now, now let's just stop. Is there any way that that kind of thing happening to you could be the will of God in the New Testament, in the New Covenant? Now you got the right answer, but you do understand you are the small minority that could say that adamantly. But are we reading the Bible? Verse 32, your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people And your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. And there will be no might in your hand. Your sons and daughters will be taken away from you by other people. And you won't have that relationship anymore. You won't have that time to be with them. And there won't be anything you can do about it. That's a curse. I said, that's a curse. I didn't say it. The Lord said it. Does the curse of the law involve things with your family and with your kids and with your relationships? Keep reading. The fruit of your land, all your labors, shall a nation which you don't know eat up. You shall be only oppressed and crushed always. Somebody will come in, they'll run over you, 
They'll take everything you got and destroy you. No way that could be the will of God. It's a curse. And Christ has redeemed me from this. You'll be mad for the sight of your eyes, which you shall see. You see, involved in these things are mental anguish and emotional distress. That's part of the curse of the law. Let's skip down to verse 41. You'll beget sons and daughters, but you shall not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. You'll have sons and daughters, but you won't enjoy them. They'll go into captivity. There's all kind of forms of captivity. Drug addiction. Sex addiction. Spending addiction. Problems with the authorities. All kind of, right? And just back up to that first part. You'll have the sons and daughters, but you what? You won't enjoy them. People have just come to accept that even little ones have to be so undisciplined and so unhappy and screaming and yelling all the time that uh, you don't enjoy them. People are pulling out their hair. And it gets worse when they get older. The teenagers lie, steal, sneak out of the house, cuss you out. This is a curse. It's not supposed to be in the house of the blessed. Not to say that you never have to have some discussions and deal with some things, but we're supposed to enjoy. Come on, did you hear that word? We're supposed to enjoy our children and our sons and daughters. We're supposed to enjoy them. That's the blessing. Anything else is the curse. Christ. Now see, the enemy will try to say, yeah, but so much has happened and it's just too hard in the world these days. Yeah, you believe that more than you believe Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. How many believe the Lord is so powerful? God is so smart. He's so wise. He's so powerful. He, how many ways does he have of doing things, of getting to people, of changing situations, of moving on hearts and minds? If somebody would dare to believe him, if somebody would stand up to the devil's junk and say, no, you may do that in all the households on our block, but not in our house. No, in Jesus' name, we command you to stop in your operations, cease in your maneuvers. You cannot have my children. You cannot have our babies. You cannot ruin our relationship. We will enjoy our children. And our sons and daughters. And our grandchildren. You got to be able to say that. When it doesn't look like it. And it doesn't feel like it. You got to be able to talk faith. Faith calls those things. That be not as though they were. Especially when you got all kind of people. Not even going to church. Not even praying. Not even believing in God. Not even trying to do anything right. Somebody in this thing needs to believe God. Is that right? Somebody. Needs to take a stand. Instead of just flying off the hand. And cussing people out. And doing all that kind of stuff. Somebody needs to do something else. You know who that somebody is? That's us. We, we do something different. We do this. We do this. 
We resist the devil. We are the redeemed and we say so. We know what we've been redeemed from. So we stand on it. We talked about this in earlier points. But it's a good reminder. The blessing is many things. It's the power of God. It's the favor of God. It's the goodness of God. But uh, three big things that we've talked about in this study. One is that the blessing is the power to get. Remember Deuteronomy 8.18? It's the Lord your God. You remember him. He's the one that gives you the power to get wealth or things. or It's the power to get. Now you hear people say, well, uh, we shouldn't be thinking about getting. Well, you can be religious if you want to, but you need some stuff. You wouldn't be sitting in this building unless we had got the building. At some point we had to get it. Nobody would be watching online on these cameras unless there was a time when we said we got to get the cameras. We got to get it. Wherever you're staying, there was a time when you got it. You got the place to stay. If you rode here in a car, how'd that happen? There was a point where you got the car. Right? You got it. If you hadn't got it, you wouldn't have it. So the blessing, part of the blessing is power to get what you need and even some good things you want. But also, the blessing is the power to enjoy good things. It's the power to enjoy. Now, we've already covered this, but you might not have been here, so hold your place here and go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, and you'll find this in three different places. In this book of Ecclesiastes, you'll find Ecclesiastes 2 and Ecclesiastes 3 and 5. But for time's sake, go to 3, 3.12. I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible, the CJB. It says, I know that there is nothing better for them as mankind to do than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Now, boy, you know, here a lot of people, you wouldn't think that verse is in the Bible. <laughs> Still, the fact that everyone can eat and drink and enjoy the good that results from Holy's work, it's a gift of God. Do you hear that phrase? Being able to enjoy the good things that the Lord allowed you to get or be a part of, that's a gift. Having a bunch of money does not assure that you'll enjoy any of it. Having the biggest house in the state does not assure that you will enjoy living in that house. You can have a million dollar automobile, but you can be in such a dark place in your mind and such a bad place with God and with other people that you got it, but you don't enjoy anything. People are so miserable. They, they, they want to kill themselves. They want to get out of here. Part of the blessing is the power to enjoy it. Amen. Hallelujah. And now you can't really enjoy it without his presence. Huh? In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, 
That's close to him. There are pleasures forevermore. He's the one that gives you the ability. I, I want to talk in tongues right now to try to describe it. But this is so big. There's not enough money. There's not enough stuff. There's not enough natural success to give any human being on the planet that deep satisfaction and joy and peace that they're looking for. There is not. There is not. You cannot have it without the blessing. But with the blessing... You can have it with or without the stuff. Paul said in Philippians, he said, I've learned no matter what, if I got it or if I don't, to be content and happy. That's when he said, I can do all things through the anointed one who strengthens me. Now, he just got through saying they had sent him multiple offerings and he had everything he needed, but he wanted them to know, I've learned how no matter what I've got in the natural... I'm still enjoying being with the Lord. I'm enjoying life with Him. Why? Because it's not dependent on that. And when that happens, you stop being unstable. Up, down, up, down. Elated and depressed. Depending on if I can get what I want. Now, this is true with all of us. Every one of us. If you let the enemy... He will always have you reaching for something you don't have, thinking you can't be happy until you get that. And if you get it, guess what comes next? There will be something else. Come on, y'all with me? That you've got to have to be happy and content. Or else you just can't be satisfied and you just, you're miserable until you do. And if you were to get it, guess what's going to happen the very next? It's going to be something else. And what he intends is that you are miserable, unsatisfied, unhappy, no matter how much you got, no matter what you've got, no matter what's going on, there's always something else I need. Lies. Deception. You know what you need? Thank God Christ got it for you so you have it. The blessing of the Lord. That makes you rich. That. Without the car. Without the house. You're already rich. Come on, y'all with me now? That makes you rich. And no amount of toil, one translation says, adds anything to it. All our hard work cannot make us blessed. You can't bless yourself. But the blessing of the Lord. You know, just in my few years of walking with the Lord, I've experienced different degrees of this. But the more fully you follow Him, and the more you please Him, the more you live in His manifested pleasure the more aware you are. He loves you, even when you're acting like a heathen, even when he is completely displeased with what you're doing. Now somebody said, well, you know, no, Jesus already paid the price, so he's pleased with me all the time. That's reasoning. 
not revelation. You have been accepted. Your name's in the book. Don't think he doesn't know if you're rebelling against him. Didn't say you were lost. Didn't say you had to make an additional sacrifice. It's there. But if you don't want to be with him and you don't want to please him, you don't care what he thinks, well, that's an issue between you and him. And he'd like to do more for you, but you're not in a receiving mode. Oh, but friend, when you obey him and follow him all the way, you sense his presence in ways that other people don't. He loves them too, but they're not letting him do it for them. Come on, can you see that? He gives you the ability, you know, with his presence, you can have a half a cup of water and a cold piece of cornbread (laughs) and feel like you're on cloud nine, man. I mean, like you are are so elated because this is something money can't buy. This is something things cannot accomplish in you. Look in the fifth chapter of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5 and 18, I think, is where we'll start. Again, this is the complete Jewish Bible again. This is what I have seen to be good and comely. It's appropriate for a person to eat, drink, and enjoy the good that results from all his work that he engages in under the sun. For all the days of his life that God has given him for this allotted portion. Also everyone to whom God has given riches and wealth. Does God do that? Riches and wealth. Along with what? Along with what? He didn't just give you the riches and wealth. What else did he give you? The power to enjoy. What kind of power is it? What? Power, the power to enjoy it, that's the blessing. Hallelujah. Somebody say the power to enjoy it. So that he takes his allotted portion and finds pleasure in his work. This is a gift of God. Not not just the stuff, but the power to enjoy it. That's the gift of God. That's the blessing of the Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is the prime thing every house needs. We must stop pulling on each other. I I know when I first got into ministry, I counseled with some uh, Rhema student, married couples that were having problems and others. I began to see them. Recurring theme. Remember one couple I was sitting across the desk from one day and she was saying to him, they had gotten kind of animated about it, and they said she was saying, you don't give me what I need. And he interrupted and said, well, you don't give me what I need. I need this. And I need, and she said, well, I, I need this. And you never do this. And you never say that. He said, well, you never do this. And, and, and both of them are saying, I need I need. Neither one is giving anything. So there's nothing to receive. All there is is I need, I need, I want, I need. And it's believing a lie that that person can fulfill you. 
and give you the power to enjoy life. There is no such human being that can fulfill you in your life and give you the power from now on to enjoy life. There is no such human person alive and there won't be. Only your creator, only your father God has the power to enjoy life. And that's why everybody who has become fixated and infatuated with someone and imagines that now I will be happy forever (laughs) will always be disappointed soon. And this is our Valentine's Day. (laughs) You will have a lot better Valentine's Day if you quit pulling on each other. Is that right? If you stop demanding and I need and nobody's giving anything, there's nothing to receive. Oh, but friend, when the husband is complete in God, And the wife is complete in God without the husband. The husband's complete in God without the wife. Can you see this or not? And they're fellowshipping with him and they're full of good things. They got something to give. Can you see that? To each other. Nobody's pulling and making demands. Both parties giving. This makes for enjoyment. Of life. You can enjoy things. This is the blessing. The strife. The anger. The emptiness. That's the curse. Isn't it? That's letting the devil just come into your house. And manifest. We should never. Have screaming fits. And hitting each other. And breaking furniture. I don't mean you get it down to once a year. I mean never. <laughs> never. This is never supposed to happen. People say, well, yeah, but I, this is the way we grew up at home. Well, you're a new creature now. You've been born again. No, people keep yielding the wrong stuff. And people keep doing what they can get away with. But it makes for a miserable life. And it ain't God. It's not God doing it to anybody. Can you see in in the curse, broken relationships, lost children, mental anguish? What is that? Help me out. What is that? That's part of. I mean, we're not. This is not theorizing or guessing. We saw it in the scripture. Is that right? We read it for ourselves in Deuteronomy 28. It is part of the curse of the law. Tell me the good news. Tell me the good news. We've been redeemed from all the curse of the law. I don't have to have this. Don't settle for misery and disrespect and yelling and screaming, not enjoying your children, not enjoying sons and daughters. It's kind of quiet. I didn't say you had to have all the answers in your head. I said, don't settle for that. 
You can do that right now. Right? You, in your heart you can say I'm not settling for that. Couldn't you? I'm not settling for that. Lord, well, we need to pray it actually. Everybody here, everybody watching online, say it out loud. Father God, I believe your word. These awful things are part of the curse of the law. I choose to believe you. You've redeemed us from this. I ask you, show us how, what changes to make so that we can enjoy our families, each other, with you, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Is that his will? Will he show us? He will. Got to be willing to make some changes too though now. Right? Sometimes it's as simple as this. Shut up. <laughs> can be as simple as that. Sometimes you, you're, you're getting all wound up and you'll start to open your mouth and the Spirit of God will say, shh, be quiet. And now we're going to find out if you're really serious about this or not. Be quiet. And that can be tough. Depending on the situation. Saying nothing, doing nothing can be tough. Go to, let me remind you, you go to Psalm 127, please, and I'll remind you of Deuteronomy 28, 41. And if you're serious about this, mark this verse. This is specific, what you've been redeemed from. You'll beget sons and daughters. You won't enjoy them. They'll go into captivity. That's a curse. You've been redeemed from that. You don't have to have that. Get a picture of the blessing, Psalm 127 and Psalm 128. Well, I'm moving a little too quick. Go to Psalm 68. Let me work my way to 127. Psalm 68, verse 5. Not having a good family and not enjoying your family is a curse. It's a curse. And the Lord went to great lengths and paid a great price to deliver us from that. Notice in Psalm 68, 5, God is a, he's a father of the fatherless. You know, you hear sometimes people say, well, I, I never had a father. Are you born again? Well, then never say that again. You got a father. You got the best one there's ever been. He's a judge of the widows. That means somebody that stands up for the widows. God in his holy habitation. God sets, in verse 6, the solitary in families. If you say, well, I have nobody. You need to get a hold of this verse right here. You have a word from the Lord. If you feel like you have been all alone. Read it out loud. Say, God, God sets the solitary, sets solitary in what? Families. In families. There's a great church family right here. These teams are families, aren't they? There's all kind of opportunity. But notice the, the problem. He brings out those that are bound with chains. But the what? Rebellious are going to dwell, live and stay in a dry land. The ESV, the English Standard said, God settles the solitary in a home. 
He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. If you won't listen to anybody, you'll wind up alone and lonely. And that's not God's fault. It's not God's plan. You know, if if you think everybody has to do what you want all the time, and it's your way or the highway, well, you'll find yourself alone in the highway. (laughs) It's a lonely place. It's a dry place. Think about this. God delivered all of his people out of Egyptian bondage. They spent 40 years in a parched, is that right? Dry, unhappy. Were they enjoying that? They weren't supposed to be there. They're supposed to be over in Canaan's land by now, years ago. Why? Why? Wasn't God's plan. Why? Rebellious. Wouldn't listen. I'm telling you, friends, this is the biggest problem on planet Earth. No question won't listen. Anything else? Everything else. God can fix and will fix. But if you won't listen, he won't make you listen. And so then you're stuck in a dry, parched place. But if you listen, be willing to listen, he'll give you a family, the family you never had, the family you didn't know you could have. And they don't have to be blood they can be by the blood. Because right. yeah. you if you're born again, we're family. That's right. More so than anything else. This is forever family. He'll give you, and what does it take to have real family? The blessing of the Lord that enables you to enjoy Amen. being around each other. I mean, we can't, you can't stand on the side of each other. That's not family. That ain't blessed. It is family, but I can't stand. No. The blessing of the Lord enables us to not get hung up on the little stuff that doesn't matter and the fellowship around the things that do and to get past the mistakes and failures of the past. Whatever it takes, the blessing has the power to enable us to enjoy our time with each other. Can you see this? Is this wonderful or is this wonderful? This is, this is the good news. Whew. Go to uh, Psalm 127 now then. Psalm 127. These are short psalms. So I'm going to read all of this one. And I'm going to read the next one too. They're just a few verses. Psalm 127. Are you there? Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that built it. Notice they got it built. But it don't mean a thing. Whole thing was for nothing. Except the Lord keeps the city. The watchman wakes. But in vain. You can have the the best army. You can have everything else. And you need it. But if you don't have the Lord helping you. It won't be enough. It's vain for you to rise up early and sit up late. In other words in order to eat the bread of sorrows. Every moment, every hour, we miss sleep by worrying. We totally wasted that part of our life. We totally wasted that part of our life. That's hours or days we won't be able to get back. 
and it didn't accomplish anything. It just hurt us and didn't help anybody else. He gives his beloved sleep. So we should receive it and enjoy it. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his what? Reward. Keep going. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They'll not be ashamed when they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. This is not a picture of us losing our children to the enemy. This is a picture of our children growing up and being even stronger in God than we are and not giving any place to the enemy or the authority of the enemy. I mean, when we have these uh, presentations on Christmas time and Resurrection Sunday, we got a quiver full. Is that right? Will you put them all together? We got a bunch of wonderful, wonderful children of God. They're the heritage of the Lord. They are the reward of the Lord. They are the blessing of the Lord. And they are not to be considered terrors. They're to be enjoyed. That will require you telling them no. Frequently. And not changing. Not giving in. You know why kids keep screaming over and over again? Because it works. Pitching fits? Because it works. If it never worked, they'd quit. Just a thought. (laughs) Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord. What? What does it start off with? What? Blessed. Tell me what the blessing is. Among other things, it's the power to get the good things that you need and want. What else is it? It's the power to enjoy the good things God has given you. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord and walks in his ways. You'll eat the labor of your hands. Happy shall you be, and it'll be well with you. Now, this is the opposite of the curse. Do you remember we read, you won't get to eat what you work for. You build a house, somebody else will move into it. All your work, all your plans, somebody else take it away from you. You won't get to enjoy it. That's a curse. That's a curse. You'll get to eat and enjoy the labor of your hands. In fact, you know, Isaiah said, what is Isaiah 65 or so? My people shall long enjoy, mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. He goes, he, he goes on to talk about they won't build and somebody else get it. Let me read that again. Let me read that again. You'll eat the labor of your hands. Happy. Somebody say happy. 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 Shall you be and it'll be well with you. What are you experiencing? You're experiencing the blessing. Not the curse. You don't have the curse. You got the blessing. It's well with you. You're happy. You're enjoying it. Your wife will be as a fruitful vine by the sides of your house. Your children like olive plants round about your table. This is a picture of beautiful, your children are like beautiful, healthy plants. They're thriving. They're in an environment that lets them grow and just thrive. They're being nourished. They're being fed with everything they need like a plant would need. And they, you look around all the table, all of them's beaming, happy, no cussing. 
no mental problems. Behold, that thus shall the man be what? Be blessed that fears the Lord. The Lord will bless you. There's a recurring theme here, isn't it? Bless, bless, bless you out of Zion. You will see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life, wherever we are. You will see your children's children and peace. Hallelujah. Upon Israel. Somebody say peace. Is this the blessing? You're enjoying life. They're happy. They're healthy. Things are going good. And not only did you enjoy them, now they're flourishing, got kids of their own. They're enjoying their kids and you're enjoying your kids' kids because you are blessed. You're a blessed man. You're a blessed woman. Somebody say glory to God. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. This is not fantasy. This is not hype. Christ redeemed us from the curse so that the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Let me, let me go ahead and read that one I quoted to you earlier. Isaiah 65, 21. It says, they talking about God's people, they shall build houses and what? Inhabit them. Live in them. Enjoy them. They'll plant vineyards and do what? They'll enjoy the fruit of them. They'll not build and another inhabit. They'll not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. That means you live a long time. And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. I'm laying hold of this right now. I said I'm laying hold of this. My work, Phyllis and my work, is in ministry. This church is part of our work. The Sarasota church is part of our work. Now, you know, faith school and, and all those things, word supply. Now, Faith Life International. We're going to long enjoy. Yes. Are you part of this too? You're going to long enjoy. Is that right? We're going to long enjoy the fruit. Hallelujah, the work of our hands. We're going to long enjoy it. Somebody say long enjoy. Long enjoy. Verse 23, they will not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord. That's exactly what Galatians 3 says. Is that right? Jesus is the seed of Abraham the blessed. Now because of our faith in him, we are also the seed of Abraham. We're the seed of the blessed of the Lord. Read that last part with me. Read that last part. We're the seed of the blessed and 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 their offspring with them are what? Blessed. Blessed. Empowered to get every good thing. Empowered to enjoy every good thing. Hallelujah. And I hadn't quite got to this last one much yet, but the last one is an even bigger thing. The Lord said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The blessing of the Lord enables you to get. The blessing of the Lord enables you to enjoy. And even more blessing enables you to give. Come on now. Give. 
so that you're involved in the blessing of others, even empowering them to bless. You and I were in the middle of that last week. Is that right? In the middle of helping empower others to be blessed and to be a blessing in other parts of the world. That's, Jesus called that more blessed. You got blessed, blessed, and more blessed. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody.